got to listen to me. You know what the deal is? What we got to do is we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ray, you're chanting. Ray. Ray, look. Ray. Unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray. You're chanting. Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. is the fifth annual Spooky Spoilers. <laughs> I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. This is Spoilers. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, you said this that out loud. This Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. This is our maybe last uh, Spooky Spoilers. I don't know. We haven't really decided yet, but we'll get to that. You'll find out towards the end of the pod, I guess. Of the year. Yeah. Not of all of time. the year. No, Not, we're gonna ET. Someone gets to choose. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, ET. Then I guess we're doing ET. So, my bad. I had already forgotten. Uh, but, have you guys uh, seen the ET porno? What no. the hell? <laughs> That's know, the one we're know? doing though. Force. <laughs> have you What's guys it? ever seen like stills from it, like with like the nudity parts censored out? No. Tell us about it. Even just looking at those images, non-pornographic parts of it, it's like the most horrifying thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. Does E.T. fuck in that one? Yeah, it's like a girl with like an E.T. head, like a makeup head. Does the finger come they, into play? The big I think it does. I, I thought I remember there being some like long alien fingers involved, yeah. Oh, hey, what God. with E.T. being yeah. a woman? A female? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe it was two E.T.'s fucking. It was something weird, man. Does he say E.T. bone home? Oh, but Bone home? <laughs> I'll I'll watch it before we do the actual ET episode, and I'll answer all these questions. I say we do it. That's spooky as it gets. <laughs> all right, so we are reviewing the I don't know spooky ish spooky light uh, movie, The Burbs from 1989. It is we're getting closer and closer to Hanks's kind of breakout as the best actor or one of the best actors in the world, but he's not quite there yet. Actually, I think he either just did big or was get, just getting ready to do big. And that was actually his first Oscar nomination, I believe. So He had just um, done big last year. And then also that came out this year, another Brett pick, Turner and Hooch. So you love wow. Young Hanks from 89. I do like Young Hanks. I think he, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to that. Young Hanks with big dogs, Brett style. <laughs> Is that a horse in the basement? <laughs> nice. <laughs> but we're going to go from west to east. And I don't know, just... Tell us a neighborhood story. I don't know, a crazy neighbor, a funny time in the neighborhood. Josh, you can't use the, the gun one from the collection or whatever, but, you know, I'm sure you have something else good for that. But so uh, let's go ahead and start with Corey. Something you haven't said before, like, no, like you followed a guy home and beat him up. You know, something new, something fresh. That's so. really all I got, though. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is Corey recording out of Simi Valley, California. Uh, I haven't had a lot of neighbor drama in my adult life, living in apartment complexes and having just very little to do with my neighbors. 
But I do have, I, I, you know, I'm not going to make a thing of this. I promise. This is going to be my last, like, violent story. I really don't like talking about that kind Most of stuff. Most violent on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, this is going to take a long time. All right. When I was a little kid, <laughs> I was probably like 11, maybe 12-ish. I had a neighbor, a couple houses down. Uh, they had a kid who was like a year uh, below me, and his name was Frankie. And this kid was an obnoxious little shithead. Sounds like and trouble. And he was kind of like friends with us, but kind of not. You know, those kids where it's like, I don't really like him, but he kind of hangs around. But he was really mean to my little brothers, who were a few years younger than him. And uh, he would bully them, specifically when I was not around. Uh, so one day I caught up with this kid because he would always do something and then run away. He was very much like that. He would do something, and he was quick. He'd get the fuck out of there before I could ever catch him. One time, I <laughs> caught this fucker. Um, so <laughs> I think he broke my brother's thumb or something like that. Oh, I, oh my God. God. I might be misremembering, oh. but it was something that like really fucking pissed me off that he did to my brother. I caught him on his lawn. I tackled him, and I just fucking wailed on this kid. Like, I fucked this kid up. <laughs> <laughs> It was talked about in my family for like years, actually, <laughs> this event. But that wasn't really the end of it because um, after that happened, I like got really scared and I like ran home and like locked myself in my room and was like really scared that I was going to get in trouble, you know? And my mom wasn't home. My stepdad was there. He's a huge guy. He's kind of scary just in his own right. Like he's 6'5", used to be in a gang intimidating person this guy and he was kind of still new to the family at that time ish uh, so anyway the kid's dad frankie's dad starts uh, slamming on our door my stepdad opens the door doesn't know why the fuck some angry dude's there basically they start yelling at each other and this guy is making all kinds of threats saying that he's gonna have his uh 18 year old adult some come after me oh, and nice. my stepdad Whoa. starts fighting with him basically we had a rivalry with that family for the next year or however long we lived there because of that there we go it's bad times with bad neighbors par- it's bad parenting actually um not not your not your stepdad the other guy i mean i, I know I, I don't have any kids but i can imagine how like hard it is to not get involved in your kids but like sometimes people feel like you gotta yeah. That kid's going around him. breaking thumbs. Needs to be. I'm glad you beat the shit out of him, Corey. I'm glad you beat the shit out of that kid. What a good brother. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like I would give my brothers the hardest time of anyone, but like never broke their bones or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty messed up. Sweet. That's, I mean, man, you just. It's just a gift that keeps on giving Corey's violent past. That's it. I'm not doing that. No, oh, come on. There's got to be more, but we'll, we'll dig into that some other time. Okay, let's see. So uh, that's probably Mikey, right? Next? Uh, yeah, probably. Mikey recording from Goshen, Indiana. I don't really... I can't think of any great neighbor stories. Um, my old anything? house... I My old house, I had a neighbor who... Look like Dale Gribble, but talk like Boomhauer. So I thought that was pretty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny uh, because I was a big fan of King of the Hill. And I used to live with Pap in college. And mm-hmm. I know one time we had a magical toss of a, a dinner Dude, plate, I believe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was wondering if you're gonna bring this story up, but somebody threw a dinner plate and it just a, a, amazing toss from like 30 yards and it swooped up and went underneath the siding on the house and was like lodged like 20 feet up in the air on the side of this apartment building. It was pretty incredible. And it defied the laws of physics because it was below our deck, but wedged in at an upward yeah. angle. So the plate must have like had some sort of updraft catch it, and it <laughs> smacked yeah. into our neighbor's apartment building. By the way, the person who threw that plate was formerly an intern on this podcast, but that's all oh I have to say. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the story is spoilers royalty. That's good. That's all I got. Josh, I'm guessing you're up. Yeah, this is Josh from Goshen. Brett, this is a tough question. I feel like this is a problem with modern society. We don't know our, know our neighbors well enough. I feel like True. we should have way more stories. Same. But do you remember when we first moved into the Maple Street house? And uh, do you remember our girl neighbors that were there? Oh, yeah. I'm just telling this story because I think it'll be a fun for the listeners. But I had, I had a new shirt. And I was like in college, all pumped about my new shirt, going to this party. It was the Beatles, like these little cartoon Beatles. I was like, oh, this is a great conversation opener. And I was like meeting all the new like girl neighbors. And like the third or fourth one came up and we were talking for a little bit. And she's like, oh, cool Beatles shirt. I was like, thanks. And I kind of like stretched out my beat, the like art of it. And I was like, well, which one's your favorite? And she pointed to my wiener, said that one. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember? No, that? I don't remember that. But was it the one that had a crush on you the next two years? I don't know. I don't know. And she had a boyfriend too at the time. It was very inappropriate, actually. But Man. she was drunk. Come on! What a Chad, Josh. <laughs> Josh the Chad. You. You wore a Beatles shirt and you were like, hey, have you ever heard of the Beatles? That was your opening line. <laughs> yeah, it's this little band. <laughs> this small indie band called The Beatles. You don't happen to like music, do you? <laughs> the thing is, I really appreciated the joke because like it, the picture of the Beatles on my shirt was like, big time mop tops so definitely they kind of had a phallic look to them <laughs> <laughs> you could think of a penis with like the head of a hmm. beetle on it or something i thought that was pretty funny so you asked her who your favorite beetle was and she pointed your wiener and then did she say uh, my favorite is small mccartney or <laughs> <laughs> fair enough brett's awake ladies and gentlemen Dude, that's fine <laughs> i just messed around i don't remember that but i mean yeah I remember those girls. They were, oh, oh got the nod of approval from wifey. There you go. There yeah, just go. Quit, quit while you're ahead there, Brett. I'll go next. This is Pappy recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, like the Primus song. Yeah. Uh, my, Mikey, you stole my answer. I was going to tell the, the story of the magic plate. <laughs> That's how legendary this throw yeah. was. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll tell a spoilers one. So when I lived, when I, all the episodes you hear where I'm recording from Denver, Colorado. I lived in an apartment building called the Jack Kerouac, and I lived in a really tiny apartment. Josh, you saw that apartment. How would you describe the state of that apartment? It was pretty small. I don't want to bag on you, man. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> that should say it all. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything mean. <laughs> so, 
so I will say nothing about this apartment. <laughs> Listen, no, it was small, but we had we had fun, Pat. We had fun. Yeah, I could see like right into a bar. So if you ever are in Denver, Colorado, and you sit at uh, the bar at Cityo City, if you look out the window, that is literally my apartment where I recorded like 150 episodes of spoilers for you spoilers historians who want to make the pilgrimage there. But. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> Look towards Mecca and pray, and pray towards Pap's, Pap's dingy apartment. Josh, you have a really good point, though, because I feel like I, I lived in that building for three years. And literally from the time I moved in to the time I moved out, I saw like every person turn over in that apartment. Like I was like the longest tenured person after three years. I never oh met my. any of my neighbors, not a single fucking one of them. But That's sad. one time after. So we recorded. um uh, Tokyo Drift, and I had a, a most honorable Japanese accent, and I can tell the story since we have a Japanese American person. Yes, podcast. I will most allow it. Honorable. Um, so I was doing my accent for like the hijack. It didn't make the episode, but as clear as you hear me, the only real interaction I ever had with my neighbors was one of them walked by my door, and I heard her say, like "I said, clear as you can hear me right now." racist Japanese accent really <laughs> loudly. So I think I didn't have any friends on that floor after after that impression. But hey, be friendly to your neighbors. That's a good takeaway from this podcast. Introduce yourself if you have. Nah, I like to keep to myself. Yeah, Brett, you're, I mean, you're not cool with strangers or neighbors, but you're cool with summoning Satan at the top of the pod. Oh, whoa, that was, that was purely for entertainment purposes. I, I don't think that. That's how it starts. I read it. I'll show you. It's got quotes on it. That means it definitely was a quote. So. Just for entertainment purposes. Satan is not my pal. When I was, I don't know, elementary years, we had a neighbor neighbors move in for like a year or two and they were German like real German they were nice people but like you could definitely tell it was a culture shock um, yeah the little kid I think his name was Gregor uh, if you're listening Gregor Guten Tag I guess uh, <laughs> he used to like walk around like his brother would have a birthday party and he would walk around the back just completely naked um, it was very very uncomfortable <laughs> even at my young age I realized that a kid who's like four or five years old walking around naked is uncomfortable, and I can't imagine how uncomfortable it was for the people at the party. Um, that same kid, his dad, God, why did I slap there? Um, he ran him over with a car. Oh my God, um, Brett, that's what? not funny at all. No, 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 he's fine, probably, but it's not, Jesus. I'm just, la- I'm just laughing, at how, I'm laughing at how weird the situation was, like it was crazy. They like they Brett. came over. They were like screaming about uh, help us, help us, and everything all turned out fine. He just backed into him. He backed over him, and it, everything was fine. But it was just like a really tense day or two, and not what I expected when you said a boring story. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah. Was the kid <laughs> naked when he got run over by his father? <laughs> yeah, that would have been. The- I doubt it. Um, but maybe. I mean, it's just. He just was behind the car, and his, the dad ran him over, and he was just freaking out. It was just crazy. Crazy times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they ran over saying things such as, 
Help us. Help us. <laughs> oh, my God. Just dude. a reminder for the audience at home, Brett chose this question on his own volition. And that <laughs> yeah, was and I could not think of anything good. But I don't know. It's a movie about neighbors, so I wanted to do that. And I don't know. I thought I came with a de- decent one. I'm, I couldn't think of anything cool in college because I was, I don't know. I, I kept to myself in college, I guess. So You were tortured by Josh in college. That's what. Yeah. Plus, a lot, of, a lot of my stories are not podcast I can't, I mean, I'm not going to tell them on the podcast. Like Corey and I run, run into this situation all the time where we have a lot of cool stories. I just don't want to tell them on the podcast. So, uh, you know, maybe for the after hours spoilers, if we ever do something like that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> patrons. For patrons. There we go. Well, no, no. Because I don't want my brother hearing these stories. Sorry, Brian. The Violent Past Podcast. <laughs> I didn't say I had a violent past. It's just wild. All right. So uh, my goal was to not have a long podcast, and we're 17 minutes in already. So, but it's been really good. So, we're going to talk ab- about the neighbors of the Burbs right now. We're doing the Burbs. Um, it's the same director that did Gremlins, and mm, that's his most famous movie. Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers. Joe Dante. This was a movie that he talks about. He said it was a bomb. I mean, it was a, a bomb with critics, but it was. You know, it did well at the box office. Fans liked it, and it became a kind of a cult classic. He said he didn't realize how much people liked it until, like, he'd be at a random dentist store or a dentist office, and someone would say, <laughs> One dentist, what do you please. Do? <laughs> <laughs> One dentist, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, and they would say, oh, you did the Burbs. And he didn't realize how much he, uh, how popular it was until, like, people just always brought that up. And I would say Gremlins has probably stood the test of time, like, when people know gremlins more than the burbs but we covered uh, gremlins joe dante two movie club yeah one of our first podcasts was was gremlins it's got one of my favorite monologues ever in it but not like in the movie <laughs> but you guys playing the clip from the movie where she's telling the very sad but uncomfortably funny story about her dad getting stuck in the chimney trying to be santa claus like I fucking yes, love that t- moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so funny. If you guys get a chance, go back and listen to that. But that's an old. That's pre-100, right? I think it's like, I mean, literally, before. I think it's pre-50, to be honest. Yeah. It's the first Christmas season. You know what? Don't slower. go back and listen to it. It's fine. Yeah, maybe not. Just Probably listen to not. the clip. Yeah. Yeah just, yeah, just download that. Pap, why don't you kind of explain the deal with the Petersons, what their dynamic is. And what's mm-hmm. going on this week at in the Burbs? Yeah, so the Petersons consist of Tom Hanks playing Ray Peterson and Carrie Fisher playing Carol Peterson. Um, I know I've had a lot of mean things to say about Carrie Fisher on this podcast. She's no. great in this role. She's yeah. absolutely fun, fantastic, as is I, Tom Hanks. Big fan of Tom Hanks, as well documented on this and Big Dumb Movie. But Tom Hanks... Um, it's not clear what his career is. He, he's pretty successful by the suburban, comfortable life that his family lives. Um, I don't think it's clear what medical condition he has. Maybe like an ulcer or something. But he's taken a week off work, and he's the classic '80s dad, home from work from a week and trying to like find something to do. And they have a very loving relationship. I think Carrie Fisher like does a great job of like striding the line between being like kind of a no nonsense tough wife in the situation but also coming across as kind or whatever 
Seems to be a good couple, Brett. I don't really know why, but if you look at some of the trivia in this, like Tom Hanks was so because he didn't even mention the kid. But who? I don't know if it was early in his career and he didn't want to be seen as old. He was kind of the young actor at the time. I don't know if he wanted to be not be typecast or whatever, but he was really weird about it. And I think he kind of fought a little bit not to have the kid. So the kid's the, barely in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's not in it very much. And I'm I don't know if Hanks had something to do about it. what are you say, Mikey. I was going to say he's in it for 10 seconds. Yeah, he's got a couple scenes. He's got a couple weird looks. Um, he hangs out with Ricky a little bit. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Terry Fisher's pretty pretty good in this movie. I like her a lot, actually. Uh, she's she's kind of a mixture of, they have fun together. I love, I mean, I love Jeopardy. It's like my favorite show of all time. I love that they're playing along. But I'll be back in time for Final Jeopardy. Mikey, uh, will you explain the Rumsfields a little bit to us? Mark Rumsfield is... A vet, uh, I think he mentions Korea or Vietnam or something. He just says like Southeast Asia at one point. Vietnam, yeah. And um, he's still very patriotic and very like regimented (laughs) and raises the flag like every morning and salutes it. And his wife, Bonnie, is just kind of ditzy. She's nice, but she uh, is just kind of like hanging around the house carrying a dog for most of the movie she's not she's not really in it too much yeah she's a kind of a bit of eye candy for the men for the kid for the for Corey feldman yeah the kid likes to get up there and spy on her and, <laughs> and ricky and like actually another funny thing that if you read a little bit about hanks is like he couldn't figure out what she was in the movie what her role was and even he got them all like sunglasses as a present and wrote them all cards and even in the card he wrote for her, he said something like, Wendy, I had a great time working with you. I still don't know what you were doing, <laughs> what you were going for in this movie. I mean, like, it's something like that. Like Jesus. It, also, there's like, it looks like a pretty big age discrepancy Definitely between the is. two of them. He must be young like a horse. It never really goes like full-fledged sexual, though, I would say. It kind of just teases it a lot. But it never really goes there. I don't know. You mean, what do you mean? Like uh, the eye candy part or, or the age difference? Well, both. But I think yeah. just like you, there's no nudity. There's right. no like super revealing clothing. I don't think that like they oogle at. It's just kind of like she's pretty. She's a pretty girl on the cul-de-sac. I, think. I kind of disagree. There's one moment with the Is tan there? lines. It's super inappropriate for Ricky to say. No tan lines today. Is that sure. what you're thinking of, Corey? You're right, you're right. Yeah, when like the camera's like right up her ass yeah. in those shorts. Hey now. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. So maybe I missed one, but it seemed, yeah. Uh, I'll give you that, Corey. That's true. I guess for the 80s, Josh, it could have been so much worse. Yes. Like. Uh, could have. At one point, somebody goes up to like look in a window and I'm thinking, oh my God, they're going to look at Bonnie, but he's really just going up to knock on someone's door. Like, so. I'll get into it more later, but Rumsfeld, I think his physical comedy in this movie is mm-hmm. my favorite part of this movie. It's weird to think of such a, a great actor like Bruce Dern being like the physical comedy relief in a movie. Um, but I don't know he pulled. I mean, he was pretty established by '89, right? Yeah, I mean, he had been nominated for I think multiple Oscars. Okay. By this, point, I don't know but- his career that much. Obviously, I know his wife was famous, and he's got a famous daughter, Laura um, Dern. Yeah. Yep. I think if I was an alien, I knew nothing about like the careers of these people, and I sat down and watched this movie, I would say like Bruce Dern's got to be the most successful ass- actor out of this bunch. 
right? Yeah. Like he's, he's so great in that role. I know more for his older roles. He's kind of a cantankerous person, but I guess I don't really. I mean, all I can think of in my head is his role in. In Gunsmoke? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Was he in Gunsmoke? It looks like at like 65 to 69, he was in like five episodes. Call my call my pops about that. Yeah, Mikey, get him on the phone. Uh, once upon a time, Hollywood, and he's just really weird in that. He's old and grumpy, and yeah, it's really weird. Um, let's go. Wait, uh, you see the Spawn Ranch guy? Yeah, he's the old blind guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think he's in a couple. At least he's in at least one uh, Quentin Tarantino movies in The Hateful Eight. And Once um, Upon, so he's in two. At least two. So. Uh, Josh, why don't you, since we're Teenage Mutant Turtles brothers, I guess I could have gone with Corey, too. Why don't you talk a little bit about Ricky Butler? Well, speaking of Corey Feldman, our pizza yep. dude, Donatello. He uh, says pizza dude, too. Crack he, me up. No, he says pizza dude three times. Okay. <laughs> oh, he no, the pizza just, dude. He doesn't Rice. just say pizza, pizza dude. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. <laughs> this was came out a year before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I got to think that he was like kind of auditioning for that through this, or this somehow helped him nail that role. At one point, it's really blatant. He says, like, call the pizza dude, and he gives a guy a high five. It's like pretty <laughs> oh, yeah. much one for That's one. That's how he got the job right there. <laughs> Uh, in this movie, Corey Feldman plays the role of he's a teenager at home alone for this time period that we see him, and he's just Very like 80s. a he's just a really interested spectator. Yeah, and I really enjoy his enthusiasm. I would say he's probably one of my favorite neighbors, Brett, because mm. he's just like so happy all the time, and like Tom Hanks is so grumpy and yeah. ulcered and until the end he's kind of always reserving his emotions so i actually really enjoy Corey feldman in this listen man we're, we're gonna make a run to mcd's you want a quarter pounder or something oh no way hey wait you guys can't go now it's the best part i called the pizza dude all right Look. how you doing hi nice night mm-hmm Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone else is, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of them are bored. You know, one of the reasons they take to the Clopex, which we'll get to later, is they're looking for excitement and they're really curious. But like Ricky's not curious about them as much as he's just curious about the other people being curious about the Clopex. Like he says it multiple times. He just freaking loves watching what's going on. Um, I, <laughs> I love like, it when <laughs> when he's like saying hello to Bruce Stern in the morning, and Bruce Stern just ignores him and is a dick. Yeah. And he's like, "I love that guy," and he just like <laughs> doesn't care. He's just... And I think at the very end, he says something like, "I love this neighborhood." I mean, he just he, <laughs> he just breaks loves the fourth wall. He like looks right in the camera. That was yeah. weird. Yeah. Did you like it, Mikey? I I don't. I'm kind of mixed. Well, I was like confused if I had missed other times that he had talked to the camera (laughs) because it was just like, oh, was this a thing the whole time? I didn't fare. Yeah. He's basically the audience. He's like, get stoned, get some pizza, and watch this cult movie at midnight. Basically, getting all his friends together. There's a lot of weird, weird relationships in this movie because, like, sometimes they'll like talk crap to each other, or they'll be like, oh, that guy's an idiot, and then like. Three hours later, they, they're meeting up to go hang out. It's just super weird. Um, so, Corey, why don't you go over the 
guy who by far talks the most, um, Art <laughs> Weingartner. Can you explain him a little bit? Art. Yeah, he seems to be like Tom Hanks's like BFF among the neighbors. Like they, I guess, spend a lot of time together. I imagine they like drink beers together, you know, after work and stuff like that. But he is uh, referred to as a fat guy a lot in the movie. He's a little bit overweight, but he's not like yeah. a huge fat guy or anything. I don't know what, but maybe that like was in the script and he got cast and like, oh, we'll just keep it in, you know. I don't know what they're doing with that, but I don't know. He's an annoying fucking bastard that won't shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I really hate this fucking dude. Uh, not just his character, but like, I, he just annoys me. He's in Blank Check. Do you guys know the movie Blank Check? Yeah, oh, but yeah. I've only seen it once. He's also in Scary Movie, yes. and he cracks me up on that movie. I don't remember Scary Movie. It's been a while, but in Blank Check, he's basically like the same type, and I did a podcast once on that movie. I, I referred to him, I think, as like a... A poor man's uh, Robin Williams. He's trying to do this like fast talking oh. stick, and uh, oh. it's just—it is not fucking funny. It, it, he thinks he's very funny, but he's not at all. Like I'm with you, Kylo. It's not that I just like hate his character because his character's like mean. It's that like when he's on screen, I'm uncomfortable watching this. Yeah, I don't like it. Does any do any of you other two have anything? more positive to say about art or are you guys I wasn't visually disgusted by him like these two were I he mean he did some things that made me he did some things that made me laugh yeah he seems like an asshole but I mean it doesn't seem like Tom Hanks is necessarily uh wants to be his BFF I mean he's just kind of like all they're just like always around hanging outside and he lets them smoke cigars at his house so he kind of tolerates him I don't know they don't seem like they hang out all the time or whatever, especially towards the end. Yeah, I don't know if this is a positive thing, Brett, but I mean, like, he is in a movie with Carrie Fisher, Bruce Stern, and Tom Hanks. Like, he's got a lot of, like, comedic speed and, like, really great actors that he's going up against. But he did yeah. have one of my favorite lines of the movie, which was, I forget what it was. We can play the clip, but it was something like, we need a gallon of holy water. My brother's a priest. He can get us a deal or something like yeah. that. I did laugh at that. So he's got a couple jokes that, that do land. Do you know what this is? It's a bone. It's a femur. It's a femur bone. A femur just happens to be a human thigh bone, right? Wait, how do you know that? Biology 101. I mean... Look at the size of this thing. You think this came off a chicken or something? It's funny, whenever, when, I think when most people think of Tom Hanks, they think about him being sweet and amazing and probably one of the best people in Hollywood to work with, but him and Rick Ducommon, who played Art Weingarner, did not get along in this, uh, in off screen. So, like, maybe Corey and Josh, a little bit of that is bleeding into his real life too. Like, he's maybe a guy who just doesn't shut up. He is uh, meant to be like a little bit of a pest to the Tom Hanks sure. character. Like Tom Hanks is like more or less like the straight man. And then he's kind of like the zany yeah. one. If we're going to go with like them as a duo, they're not necessarily a duo. Cause you know, there's more people that get involved in their little schemes, but I'd say among the neighbors, like those two are probably the closest. That's the vibe I got anyway. I never thought about this until just now. And I'm wondering like, maybe think of like an eighties film formula. I feel like in a normal, a different movie, 
his character and Ricky's character would have been flip-flopped. The kid would have been the really annoying guy who followed people around and never shut up. And maybe Art would have been like the one guy who loved the neighborhood. And I don't know. Maybe it doesn't work. It's just it pop, something that popped in my head. I feel For like the longest time I thought Ricky was his kid. I did too, Mikey. Br- yeah, Brittany said so. It was like he like hit that guy's son. I said I don't think so. I think they just. I said she's like we're his parents. I'm like they're just out of town. He mentions it like once. So. Yeah, that's the moment when we realize that Corey Feldman is not that guy's kid. Yeah. I, I, kinda, I think we're all in the same boat there. Yeah. I kind of wish Art would have died. Oh, my yeah, god! I mean, there's no real casualties. Yeah, amongst, kill him. <laughs> amongst the neighbors. But, like, you know, if this is, like, a spoof of, like, a horror movie, I feel like one of them should have died. And he would have been, like, the most obvious choice other than yeah. Bonnie, Bruce Stern's wife. How do you kill him off then, Pat? Um, Skin him alive. Like, when they drop that, when they drop that note into the thing, right? Like, maybe, or, or you should just, like, get electrocuted when he's cutting that wire. That's very <laughs> dangerous, actually. It's funny that that happens in another Joe Dante movie, Small Soldiers, which also has some of the same cast members from this movie are in that movie, at least one, uh, Bonnie, I think. But in Small Soldiers, the kid's up there messing with the electrical lines and gets like blown off and knocked down onto the ground. Same thing happens to that guy, Art, in this movie. I will say this, though. this The stunt looked pretty good. The stuntman like, falling down looked not bad. I was going to say that about the explosion at the end, too. Like That looked very large, and those people looked like they were very close to that exploding house. Mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot of people from Small Soldiers that are in this movie. Dick Miller, he's another one. He has yep. a very small part in this movie as like the garbage man. Garbage kind of a, a pleasant First surprise turn. to see him, you know. He pops <laughs> up in Joe da- John Joe Dante movies a lot. Is he the one wearing the the rainbow pin? No, that's coat? Robert Picardo, who is uh, of Star Trek fame. He's a okay. in Deep Space Nine, he's the emergency medical hologram. I love Robert Picardo. I've seen him sing in person. I've gone to see him. He sang with Bill Nye. It was very strange, but it was cool. I love that dude. <laughs> so our last neighbor is not much in the story, but he is kind of the catalyst for the, the whole movie is Walter Sesnick. Um, Walter Sesnick's kind of your typical... Uh, movie neighbor that's kind of a dick he doesn't really get along with anybody else um, he's got his a dog that he's trained to crap in Rumsfield's yard for some reason not just any dog Brett sorry to interrupt the dog from Silence of the Lambs yeah exactly Very... Precious? yes exactly yeah Wait, the, the same the, exact dog same dog the, the literal same dog yeah this dog wow. is an Brett, actor is the dog still alive oh no no way Come on, Brett. damn shame that was this was 32 years ago. The dog is dead. What did the dog die of, Brett? Come on, just give it to Suicide. us. Suicide. Oh no! His, his rolls. <laughs> wow. Hollywood got to him. His rolls wow. dried up. <laughs> all the dogs used to know were all passing away. He just couldn't. Okay, sorry. Um, suicide's not funny, guys. I'm sorry. Unless it's a dog. Basically, the catalyst of. This movie is this guy. What did I say his name was? Uh, Walter. He kind of just disappears, I guess. He has to go to the, he has to go to the hospital. But I have a a question since we're doing this fast and loose a little bit. 
So obviously, like the whole his disappearance is a red herring. Um, yeah. And the neighbors are like inspired to continue investigating because like his toupee is in a weird spot and his house is all disturbed. But why do the weird neighbors have his toupee and his mail? That's what I don't understand. They mention it at the end. I may have missed that. I don't know why he picked them. Maybe it's because he hated all the other neighbors, but he asked them to pick up his mail. And he said the toupee, they had to leave kind of abruptly one night to go to the hospital. And it got mixed up with the new, the, he kind of scooped it up and bent the mail, like the magazines. And it got caught in there. It got messed up in the mail because Tom Hanks put it in the mail slot. There you go. Oh, that makes sense. But that's why they were uh, involved in that. Um, And when I say they, I mean the Klopex. The Klopex are making a, a racket. The neighbors are starting to get curious because at night it's making a very loud noise. A lot of this bright lights are coming out of the basement. There's lightning involved. There's this really weird weather phenomenon when you step on their property. It's all just kind of all going on and mix that with they think that Walters disappear. And then that's kind of how the movie gets going. Um, I basically have this kind of into three parts, this movie. it's It starts like act one is kind of curiosity. Um, two is kind of formatting a plan um, and gathering evidence. And then three is kind of executing that plan and then the fallout. I mean, before they, they actually enter the Klopex house, you know, they're scoping things out. One of the things they do is they just are going to go knock on the door and introduce themselves, which they're very timid about doing. This is, you know, Tom Hanks, Ray, and his friend Art. Uh, they eventually make their way up to the door. They're very scared because this house is like decrepit. It's like an Adams family house. These people look like weirdos. Uh, the the one person that they show us a few times in passing looks like a, well, I guess he looks like an Adams family member, actually. <laughs> he's got red hair. He's got sunken in eyes. He's got hillbilly teeth. Um, but they go to the door and they knock. And when they knock somehow, like their, their number sign, you know, their 666 street address, like, like falls down or something. And basically like, a swarm of bees come flying out of the wall. So Full I, on my girl at this point. Ooh. Yeah, Hyde Macaulay Culkin, bees are attacking. There's like a few things in this movie early on where you kind of think there might be some supernatural element at play, and that I think is kind of part of it. But that, I mean, that's one of the things they do, Brett. Yeah. I got one, Brett. They spy the kid, Klopek, like throwing away a suspicious package so they get to it late in the morning and it's already like been thrown away apparently by the dump truck and who is it rumsfeld and art art yeah like are literally like the scene shows them in the back of the dump truck it's really like gross and grimy kind of a cool set piece but the really thing that's the really cool thing i like brett is that for the entire rest of the movie, they show that like pile of trash yeah. on the ground in the street. <laughs> yeah. It's like part of the set now. Yeah. Uh, everybody just drives around the pile of trash in the street. Or just crush it. Supreme Court says once it hits the curb, it's public domain. Yeah. If they're right. Yeah, I was going to mention the trash in the street. That was funny because uh, I'm watching that scene right now. But 
I like when they're actually in the house and oh, yeah. Rumsfeld is going around peeling wallpaper <laughs> off the wall. I don't know why. Apparently that was that was like ad lib. Like uh, <laughs> he's like checking for hidden door panels or something, and he's just like tearing humongous chunks of wallpaper off the walls. And it's so quiet and awkward in there. Yeah, and the wallpaper is just like <laughs> uh, kind of a, a theme. My themes for this uh, movie is. A writer's strike was going on. From what I've read, a lot of rewrites happened on set just for time and uh, to think something isn't working. So while the writer was there on set, he was not allowed to write because they were on strike. Mm -hmm. So the director encouraged the actors to do a lot of ad-libbing. One of the ad-libs, I guess, physically was him pulling that wallpaper, and I think it, it... I think that's one of the funniest parts of it. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so it's so dumb. So the writer's like on set, but just like I'm not gonna say. I'm but not yeah, gonna he talk. couldn't he like he couldn't <laughs> work. I mean because, Union. But he was there because he's you know, I think he knows the director and wanted uh, to see what's going on, but like, you know, Bruce Stern, I mean, I think like all my favorite parts of this movie I probably are just him in the physical the physicality of his comedy um, i got one that doesn't work for me as well though and it's the one that's not explained by the return of walter or whatever his name is um when they find the femur or the dog finds mm-hmm. the femur what a weird directing choice when they do that like zoom in zoom out like mm-hmm. really quickly like back to back like that's a little bit too zany too zany too amateurish too manic for me i, I didn't like that that little bit but there. also it's it was the only time something like that was done. But that's even weirder when you only. Right, yeah. it's, it's, it's like that weird better. edit and that weird edit and carry where they speed things up out of nowhere. It's like, wait, yeah. what? What is happening here? It's kind of like Corey Feldman looking at the camera fourth person or yeah, breaking the wall definitely. at the end too. I think this movie's tone is like kind of all over the place. I think it uh, kind of wants to be a scary movie, doesn't really follow through on that, and then I think it, if it wanted to break a fourth wall, just very lazily forgot to do that uh but i think it's just more of i don't know just physical comedy with a murder mystery behind it more than a scary movie that fourth wall thing would have worked better if Corey feldman had set that up at the beginning of the movie right like if like he looks at the camera like oh you, where do you yeah. see what goes on in my yeah. neighborhood like, yeah. i love this neighborhood at the beginning and then you tie it in again at the end but when it just happens at the end it's like wait that's pretty weird and, then and out of they, place they, Kind of dropped the whole spooky thing, like I don't know the supernatural spooky thing fairly early for me. I felt like, and I was like, oh, I kind of liked wondering what was happening with with the Klopex. Like, are they monsters or murderers or vampires or whatever? I don't know. Also, the musical cues are a little bit all over the place. Jerry Goldsmith, obviously legendary composer, but like. When it, when it goes to like the western stuff, I do laugh a little bit. But like at the beginning, when the dog first gets out and it like almost plays that dark noise in the score, like bark, 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 like in the score, it's, it's kind of like I don't know, a little bit all over the place. That me. got my attention, but, and that's generally not a good thing in a music score, you know. Cause it reminded me of Goosebumps. Do you remember the Goosebumps theme? Has the part where it barks? Yeah. <laughs> they must have saw this. <laughs> Whoever did the Goosebumps theme. I know you watched this movie, you son of a bitch. <laughs> ¶¶ 
Pap, we talked about how we don't, in 2021, know our neighbors very well. But in this movie, it portrays, like, Art, who just unwantingly just goes in people's fridges. These people's are these people are constantly breaking into each other's houses. Is there any, like, theme about what it is to be, like, a good neighbor in this movie that you took away within this? Because I, th- I think this whole plot that Brett's setting up is, like, all the neighbors gaining together to, like, try to accomplish a goal or something. I don't know. It seems kind of foreign, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. It's very much kind of a late 80s movie, right, in the sense of that if you look at, like, America's historical context, like, Reagan happened, the suburbs start exploding uh, well well before that, but this is kind of like the pushback against the suburbs, right? And a lot of people in the 90s would, like, you know, like, return to Earth movement type things. I, I get more of those vibes, like, oh, actually, the suburbs are scary type thing in our life. <laughs> Isn't that good? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get, like, much of a good neighbor, but I think at the end of the day that there is kind of, like, a positive aspect of their community, right, Josh? I mean, it does seem to be, like, despite the dysfunction, it's all for the better that they're at least semi-close, right? What do you think, Brett? Is it a net positive or negative here as far as neighbors go? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, my father-in-law knows everybody on his street and everybody on the street over. Like, it's kind of a joke between Brittany and I. It's just like, he, yeah, you know, he knows everybody in our street. He's, he, t- he comes in, he's like, oh, when I pull up, all the guys come out. I'm like, yeah, and I, me, I don't know anybody. I don't, I like to be left alone. So, um, for them, I would say it's a net positive. I mean, I'm sure Tom Hanks' character probably gets a little annoyed by it, but it's just kind of a way of life out there. But also, at the same time, it kind of leads to, I wouldn't say the downfall, because they all come out all right, but, you know, the Klopeks stick out because they don't do what they consider to be normal neighborly stuff. Introduce themselves, didn't have an open house, and they don't really say that, but that's another thing some people do. I would never do that. I don't want you in my house. Um, you guys can come to my house, but not my neighbors. I mean, but they do make a point to say that who were the previous people who lived there, the Naps or whatever. Like no one knew the Naps either, right? Like, I they think they were old people that, that uh, stuck to themselves, I believe. But Naps, yeah, that sounds right. I don't know, Josh. But it's more—I don't know. It, it's 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 very much of its time, and this is not a criticism of the movie at all. But like in 2021, like the the quote foreigner neighbors wouldn't end up being the bad guys ultimately right like that's like that's just something that's changed in the way that like movies are made because like these guys are like not slavic or whatever they like get pissed about that but there's something there's something else like they have an accent but at the same time they were questioning they were suspicious of the neighbors before they knew anything about No, no 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 right 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 i'm just saying like in the way that movies are made like people would be too scared of the pushback of having the foreign neighbors be the bad guys right yeah you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah for sure okay so i think the scene that kind of propels us to the big climax of the last day is when I guess you could say cooler heads prevail with the women, the two women. They're just like, hey, let's just go over there. And Art's like, oh, should I come? They're like, no, you're not coming because, you know, he'll ruin it. But And that's where you get to the funny part where they make brownies 
and it's kind of a callback to what happens earlier where somebody steps through there, uh, the deck, and then rum. I mean, that's the part. The first time I watched the movie, the, the death of the hardest I laughed was when he steps in that hole and drops the brownies. I mean, like, that makes me laugh. And then still. hands him the tray of dirty brownies. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, who's the first other person we meet, uh, Mikey? Uh, in, in the house? Yeah, in the house. Yeah, we met Hans. Uh, it's Ruben. Ruben has a very bizarre haircut, which made me crack up. It's <laughs> so like a, like a to take him from like the 1600s. Yeah, uh, but he uh, just seems annoyed with the neighbors when they come over. Uh, Bonnie slides open like a, a pantry door or something, and he's just like behind there, <laughs> and he's like annoyed. And he is just kind of like forced into entertaining these people that have walked into his house very rudely and he's just kind of giving them very short answers uh to their questions and kind of also like not ushering them out but just like tolerating them in his house i just recall him sitting on a couch just staring at tom hank's face in silence yeah (laughs) angry very very angry looking Corey, when i think of classics i think of peanut butter and jelly lamb and tuna fish and <laughs> sardines and pretzels. I mean, that's what you think of, right? <laughs> yeah, that's if you have people over, you got to break out the good snacks. You know, I'm sure yeah. they've been saving up those sardines long past their expiry yeah, date. Flies buzzing out of them. They, oh, they were buzzing out of them? Okay, I didn't catch that. No, I, I don't know if they were out. There of were them. fly noises for sure that they added. <laughs> but has anyone ever had a sardine? Yeah. No, and I think no. it's bullcrap. Carrie Fisher is like, I'm not gonna have one, and then she's like, Yeah, you need you to eat one. Yeah, that scene was hilarious. So, so then I don't. I, I, there were two shots in this movie that I liked uh, when we finally meet Werner, Doctor Werner, Ellen. Um, who? El- Ellen. Degenerous. Dude, I just thought he was Ellen at first. <laughs> That's interesting. You want to explain that one? His face and hair look like Ellen. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Just it? so everyone knows, Josh hates Ellen. He's got Do a I? hatred for her. Hmm. <laughs> what? But anyway, um, geez, at a point, my God. Where you think, Sorry, oh, guys. I just outed you in front of the Ellenites. That's not good. That's probably it. Probably should be edited. Yeah, you should There's delete your huge, Twitter. A huge overlap between people who like spoilers and people who like Ellen DeGeneres. Mm. Josh, come on. I'm getting called out as like the only person that thinks Ellen is kind of shitty. No, she's shitty. I hate Ellen DeGeneres too. Who looks like Ellen? Ellen. He thinks Dr. Kopak looks like Ellen. Oh. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, he comes out. uh, I thought he was coming from a different room, but he apparently is coming from the basement. And it's kind of a classic horror movie shot. With the the shadow looks really big, and you expect some big imposing figure, but what is he about four <laughs> ten, maybe? I actually really like this actor. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't he's, he's the things, but he's the head of the Illinois Nazis in Blues Brothers. In the Blues Brothers, right? I think he's. Yeah. Is he also in Wedding Crashers as the priest? Yep, he's the priest. He's in Biodome. He's Leaky in Biodome, Mister Leaky. Yeah, so he's pretty funny. I really like him. King of the Hill, he was Bob Jenkins, whoever that is. King of the Hill. But anyway, yeah, so 
he is kind of everything that the other two Klopex are not. Um, he, uh, Pappy, why don't you describe him a little bit for us? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it best. He's um, sophisticated. He's probably more of like the sociopath of this group, right? In terms of the brains behind the operation, knows how to smooth people, knows how to like level things over with the neighbors. Um, he claims to have painted that painting that Mikey talks about. And there's like a, a bit with Tom Hanks where he thinks it's blood over his hands, but it's actually paint. Um, but he's, he's the ultimate villain, right? Brett of this movie. He is the, we don't know what he's doing with these bodies, but he's some, for some reason collecting bodies and incinerating bodies and like a mass murderer doctor. Yeah. Uh, also just as a side, I know you know, this movies. he's in Nashville and Magnolia. Um, so yeah, pretty good career. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's the, I'm guessing you kind of find out <laughs> later that they go, from... Josh is posting pictures to justify the Ellen. <laughs> no, I gotta see this. Hold on. I'm just getting the the blips on my. It's because phone. it's pure pure white hair, short oh, snow yeah. snow white I hair. Cut? Ellen's probably taller than this man. Josh, describe for the you. Use your words, Josh. Describe to the audience at home the similarities. Okay, so when he first slowly rounds the corner, he just has bright whitish blonde hair his eyebrows are really apparent and like up and he just has like the same face structure as ellen i literally just thought of ellen has nothing to do with like her shittiness or anything personality wise so you think that she's a murderer who (laughs) i got it it's starting to make sense now yeah she has a lot of skulls in her trunk brett Jafar good, Ellen bad. Got it. You guys know, like, on Ellen, how they do those, like, pranks. Like, they catch people in public, like, doing something. And uh, they they put it on the show kind of, like, in between her interviews and stuff. Like, there's one specifically that I know of where they're trying to, like, distract, like, people who are on their phones too much in public, right? So they'll see if people who are walking around looking at their phones will notice something crazy happening nearby. That shit is all set up. I know someone that was on the Ellen show and basically like the staff told him like, okay, just keep looking at your phone no matter what we do. That's a bummer. Isn't that surprising? Yeah. Yeah. It's all fake. I wasn't allowed to tell that story, but I did anyway. Breaking news here on Spoilers. (laughs) That's from our live studio audience here at Spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, Pappy. Can we reveal that spoilers is fake and we have this all written out script before we come on? We rehearse it. Yes, Josh, you are right. (laughs) I'm reading off the script. He said happily. Why don't we take that from the top and this time let's do it good. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Pappy, should we reveal? (laughs) I'm not going to do it again. Good job, guys. That was great. Great gag. Also, another factoid is our Patreon account and her bank account looked the exact same. Uh, True. We, yeah, we, I mean, we, we have the same salary as her, so. Uh, we probably make one one millionth of a <laughs> cent for every like episode that she makes, if not less. <laughs> probably less. Bro, I have a question for you at yep. this point. Do they do, and I get that's a silly, zany, Manic comedy, but do they do they do enough yada yadding a way of like why they don't contact the police at this point? 
like this ex-military guy and this group of suburban family, like the first thing they got to do is call the police, right? They don't have anything. What do they? They don't have any evidence at all. After this, he has the wig and he has the mail. And a bone, a human bone. And a human bone. Okay, so the mail obviously is explained, the wig's explained, and the bone, you can't prove that it got it from there. I'm with you, but A, as my dad would say, it's in the script. B, I think you kind of explained why Rumsfeld isn't the type to call the police, because it's kind of his thing, probably, and uh, he's not going to go to the police. He's, you know, take care of things himself. Off the books. I think it's like, just but, more of just a curiosity. But at Tom this point. Tom Hanks's character should be like, let's go to the police. And Art is like, no, like for X, Y, and Z reasons. It right? is like, kind of weird that he he does. One of these flip. characters should be like advocating what the audience is thinking. Like, okay, now you have enough evidence. Go to the police. That's Ricky. That's Ricky Butler. He's talking to us, the audience. Hey, I should go call the police right now, but I'm not <laughs> going to. He's having too the good pizza a time, dude, you know. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> The pizza dude. I'm gonna Brett, go get you know and order pizza. What struck me when Brett was talking there is yes, Tom Hanks does kind of flip out, have an anxiety attack at the Clopex, and he had an anxiety attack or something bad happened with his work pre movie, and we all know about like the famous end scene blowout and him like throwing a temper tantrum, like laying down in an ambulance in anger. It's really weird, like. I think this dude needs a therapist really badly. I, it didn't really strike me until Brett was saying that. Like he keeps wigging out, truly. Well, wigging. something about young Tom Hanks, and I, I really wish I would have said this on the big episode that we did over at Big Dumb Movie, but he does exasperated in almost every role that he does in like his early career, right? Like yeah, that I love yell. That. Yeah, no, he, it's so funny. He's great at it, and his yell is perfect, and he's got this like weird like sense of this weird guttural voice when he yells like that like and, and it translates all the way up to like woody right in toy story but like, <laughs> it's, it's just another movie where he's doing the same exasperated tom hanks yeah shut up art shut up god you don't know when to quit do you look at me now 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 soldier you leave him alone get off that case already you are a toy you weren't the real buzz light you're you're a I really hate how they all leave the house like that the movie needs like an excuse for them to like kind of abruptly rush out of the house and it's the dog and it's just a weak moment like that doesn't seem like a great reason for them to just suddenly stop asking the questions that are clearly on their mind and stop bringing stuff up I don't know it's just too like Okay, what can we do? We need something with big energy. A dog jumps out and, you know, chases the other guy away. Wasn't into it. The next day, they decide they're going to go look for Walter. They're convinced Walter's in there. They're convinced the femur is his... That's his femur, so they are going to take the Klopex house by force. Mikey, give me one of the ways, what's some of the ways where they, they start to take this house? They go out back and dig up the backyard where Tom Hanks was watching them dig up, like, in the middle of the night. 
in the rain one night, I guess maybe to see if there's bodies back there, nothing. And then they go inside in the basement and just start fucking up the foundation of this house, uh, <laughs> causing a lot of damage. And So they have a bunch of alarm systems in there. So how do they get through that? Oh, yeah, they kill the power to the whole neighborhood. So your, your boy, what's your boy do to kill the power? <laughs> maybe the yeah. whole southwest section of the neighborhood. Art does an idea so good that they reuse it in Small Soldiers. Like I mentioned earlier, <laughs> he climbs up one of the power poles and he just like starts like fucking around with a wrench. Like he talks a lot of shit. This guy, he acts like he always knows what he's talking about, but he, he doesn't know shit. Like he's just clearly going to go up there and get his ass fucking blown to smithereens, which is exactly what happens because he's a dumbass. He's like, you know, trying to cut a cable, I think, like right next to one of the fucking main conductors. I don't know electronic terms, but blows himself off the pole, oh. lands on top of like a tool shed, falls through it. His like helmet is like burned into his skull and his like fillings are now hot and his fingernails are black. So we get like that. I do like the fingernail black. I think that attention, I know it's kind of ridiculous, but I think. The yeah, I was going to kind of speak to that. It's like a kind of a Looney Tunes-ish moment, right? Like that's the kind of a slapstick comedy we get with a character of this type you know with like the more or less and i mean it's probably not like a pc thing to say but like the fat guy of the movie you know like he's gonna slip and fall a lot kind of thing at least that was like the 80s sentiment josh what's uh what's rumsfield doing at this point what's his job i'm so glad you tossed this to me brett because this is actually my favorite shot of the movie comes from Rumsfeld being on his roof. He is like the scout. I think he calls himself like Eagle Eye One or something <laughs> like that. They have big old walkie talkies and he's on his roof in camo with binoculars and like a telescope checking things out. But specifically, there's a shot where it shows him talking on the walkie talkie and he's telling the guys like, one at a time to go over the fence like all right guy number one now guy number two now and you can see tom hanks and art like over his shoulder super far in the background like actually doing those things and it's just like a cool perspective moment and you get a feel for like space and distance in the neighborhood it feels very real i just really like that happy why don't you fill us in real quick? Where are Tom Hanks' wife and kid? Where, how did they get out of the story? Why don't you go ahead and fill us in on the, the outside factors? Yeah, Carrie Fisher and No Name Kid have <laughs> gone up to the lake house, which has been a, a running theme or a running like place. Mathemes place that Tom Hanks like doesn't want to go or whatever because he thinks it's like more stressful than just relaxing at home. But so they're out of the picture. Um, Ricky Corey Feldman is like having a party. He's having like all of his friends over. They're ordering pizza. They're clearly smoking weed. I love that part like earlier in the movie where he has this like, um, like tobacco pipe with him, and like Tom Hanks like rips it out of his hands and like smells it to smell for weed or whatever, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, he's having all of his neighborhood buddies neighborhood buddies over to watch uh watch the shit show unfold. It's kind of like they're playing telephone, musical chairs, I don't know, whatever, with the body. They think it's in the trash. Then it's not in the trash, so then they think they, they're putting it in the back. It's not there. So they have this big oven. Hey, a man's furnace is his own business. That's been like a point of mystery like throughout the movie in a lot of places, right? Like 
The, I think the very first unusual thing we see with that Adams family weird fucked up house is like lights coming out from like the basement area. Like there's yeah. some shit concocting down there and we don't know what it is. So like at this point in the movie, when he finally gets down there, there's this like insane, like industrial yet kind of old timey furnace. And so you're trying to figure out, okay, what's the furnace for? But they don't do like the thing, the one thing you would think they would do, right? Like open the fucking thing. We want them to open it. Right. Instead, they start like digging under it. Like that's the bright idea. Like, oh, let's dig for bodies (laughs) down here. Yeah, Art and is so useless. He watches him dig. He's truly terrible. No, he's just up there practicing his stand-up bombing. <laughs> and his stand-up's terrible, too. I can't. <laughs> You're sick bastards. You know that? <laughs> Did you hear now that they're putting pictures of missing gay guys on Vaseline jars? <laughs> and apparently it's just a picture of the back of the guy's head. So... Editor's note, his stand-up did suck. We as the audience, we see the Klopex come back. Now, the Klopex see what's going on, and then they leave. Like, we don't really know what they're doing. How did they get past Rumsfeld? I don't understand that. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Maybe he didn't see him, but, like, he doesn't report it to them, I don't believe. Uh, he says something on the radio, but uh, Tom Hanks is like burying his radio with all the dirt he's digging up. Yeah. The first time they go by? Yeah. I thought that was the second time when they came back, but it, it could have been. I don't really remember. But the way I remembered it, it seemed like Rumsfeld just like totally missed them driving down the road in broad daylight. And this guy survived Nam. It's like. <laughs> that, Probably that thought was... it was. Uh hallucination or something <laughs> Dude. he actually never saw any combat he was just he was in Canada from... it's like Frank Reynolds yeah. when I was in Nam, yeah, he was stationed <laughs> I just saw something the other day where they're like he says in Nam and they go you mean during Nam you didn't go to Nam he's like oh yeah during Nam I think it might have been Sopranos um, was that shameless no I don't watch that but oh, okay I think it might have been Sopranos or I don't know, but it was really funny. And it just reminded me of Frank Reynolds. He's always like, Oh, when I was in Nam and they're like, you were in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) You were, you were running a sweatshop. We lost a lot of good men in that sweatshop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's a invincible one. That's one of my favorite episodes. Okay. Sorry. I got uh, off track. So art is gone. They're all trying to yell at Tom Hanks to get out. Um, And he's just digging. They think, they're so stupid. They they hit something hard, and then they're immediately like, "It's a crypt, it's a crypt." And then they're like, "Rome still, we found Walter." Like, that's a big leap in logic. Um, <laughs> but again, they've kind of there's a lot uh, of those. Josh, how does Tom Hanks come out of the building? Like, what what happens there? He's been digging down in the clay, right? And yeah. So he's all like gross and muddy. So I like to think that digging through all that created some sort of nice little skin barrier or something right brett wouldn't that make sense because detective barrier he hits this gas tank and everyone else gets out of the building but then it starts like exploding and he's like presumed dead but then he comes out slowly walking which is this an 80s thing too like partially blown up characters like 
we just had Winona White Ryder and Heather's kind of like get partially blown up with that cigarette in her mouth. But he comes out like super disheveled. Brett, I loved his face makeup. Like his right eye is all messed up and it's really (laughs) funny looking to see Tom Hanks like so hurt. The music's great there too with the Western score. It's so good. Do you guys agree though? Like from Castaway to this movie to Forrest Gump, like whenever Tom Hanks is hurt really bad those are always like the funniest moments like think of the coconut shell when he's like digging out his own tooth and cast away like and how funny that is that's not funny <laughs> i think he's an underrated i think we see it in the 80s and early 90s and like i'm sure later on i think he's an unbelievably underrated like physical comedian and guy watch a league mm-hmm. of their own he's like freaking insanely incredible in that movie i mean uh He's just screaming and drunk the whole time, but it, it works because he's so good at it. Yeah, how come when he does it, it's charming, but when I do it, it's sad and <laughs> depraved? Because <laughs> you're not coaching a woman's baseball team at the same time. <laughs> ah, I was missing the key component. <laughs> you didn't hit uh, a home run in the World Series for the Cubs. I think he was a Cub. Shh, sorry, dog's getting antsy. Uh, so I guess that means it's time to wrap it up. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they had just, Ron Howard had just started a production company right around this time. This was one of his earlier movies for his mm-hmm. production company. So, Which fun fact that I learned from, um, let me start, Minty Comic Arts on YouTube. When Spielberg started Amblin, he had Joe Dante direct his first movie, Gremlins. And when Ron Howard started his production company, he had Joe Dante direct his first movie, wow. The Burbs. Oh, shout out to Minty. Minty's cool. Love his content. Great yeah. YouTube channel. So is why isn't like Joe Dante like more established or whatever? Like those that's pretty big those are pretty big gigs. All of his yeah. movies are kind of silly, right, Corey? I feel like you're a little bit closer to Joe Dante than the rest of us, but he's got like a very silly overtone to everything that he makes. Except for the howling. Yeah, that was an early Joe Dante movie, but I think when he found his place, it was more in like semi-light comedies of like the 80s and 90s um maybe with like a little bit of darkness involved but you know that i I think the howling and a couple like other small horror movies were like where he started and then he went into like this kind of stuff but yeah i mean that's you know he generally has this like light tone in a lot of the stuff he does it's weird i mean he's done some he's kind of done a lot of different genres i mean the howling is considered like a classic um, Inner Space, I think, is kind of underrated. Matinee was kind of underrated. I remember that movie as a kid. I mean, then just, I mean, he started doing like Looney Tunes movies and stuff. I mean, Looney Tunes back in action. That's just I mean, bad. That, if I'm being honest, though, I would think Joe Dante would do a Looney Tunes project eventually, considering like the shit that you see in something like this and and Gremlins. You know, like you already have like uh, a lot of that kind of comedy throughout. That's true. Oh, I remember the show Erie, Indiana. He directed yep. at several of those. Oh, yes. nice. Love Erie, Indiana. Dr. Klopek was in episodes of Erie, Indiana, apparently, because I was looking through his IMDb. That's how they know each other. Play the, play the Erie, Indiana theme, editor. <laughs> Erie, Indiana. My home sweet home. Still don't believe me?
if you're a if you're a stauncher, you can request us to do every episode of Erie, Indiana, which would be probably no. the nicest thing. Not a stauncher. Not a stauncher. Anyway, what's it called? Uh, Rockhard Vigo Mortensen. You can. Uh, I think you could even be under that. I mean, you're the one that brought this up. Don't put me that. Would spot. be very cool though. I would love to do an Erie, <laughs> Indiana podcast. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'd be in for that. I don't. I just. I've. I've heard it. My brother-in-law mentioned it. Other than that, I don't know what it is. So, you just have to be a real human being for four ninety-nine a month. You can commission an episode. An episode, but not a show. That's more like you got to be. An episode of Erie, Indiana yeah. would be very acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a season finale for spoilers. You got to keep subscribing if you want to see the whole season. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Open gotta... up bot accounts to get, <laughs> get bot accounts with real credit cards. Just once a month, and then you get a new, another episode. We'll just go one by one. Just don't pull any of that Austin John crap. Since we're talking about <laughs> Patreon, Pappy, can I just mention yeah. the picture you chose for our header on Patreon is like one of the sure. funniest freaking things I've ever seen. Big Lebowski? Oh, no, it's amazing. It's- <laughs> I'll suck your cock for $1,000. <laughs> yes. It's Tara Reid, right? Yeah, it's so, that's... Very apt, Pat. Listen, all I'm saying, if you're a rock hard Vigo Mortensen, we can't say no to whatever you ask. <laughs> and we won't even Legally. charge $1,000. You always say this every episode, and I have to like shout you down from this, but okay. Legally, we're obligated to do whatever you want for $25. It's a good deal. Looks like the Klopeks are going to get out of this again. Uh, Tom Hanks is pretty much makes you joke about it, but uh, he's basically going to go to prison for a while. I mean, he broke a lot of laws. And I think Josh mentioned it. If you want to like talk a little bit about the little temper tantrum he throws with the ambulance. and Yeah, so I think probably, maybe I'm wrong here, Brett, but probably one of the most famous parts of the movie is when Tom Hanks is like throwing this fit and he says something about it's not them, it's us. It's us, yeah. Remember what you were saying about people in the burbs are people like Skip, people who mow their lawn for the 800th time and then snap! Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences and peeking into people's windows! We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the street and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid eyes. We're the lunatics. Us. It's not them. It's us. It's not the outsiders with the problem. It's us judgy insiders. And that seems like a good place to leave the movie. But in saying that, Tom Hanks flips out so bad, he just like wants to go to the hospital to get away from people. Yeah. So he like pouts his way into an ambulance and then like in a huge terrible wrong move, Dr. Werner or whatever goes in there and tries to like kill him even though like Tom Hanks had no idea about cops all around. Big mistake. And cops all around and he's like that's one of my biggest qualms with the movie you guys is that like this doctor he's not smart. He's not Well, I, it's kind of like what we mentioned earlier, though. Everyone here, if we had gone through the trouble to break into the house, we would have checked around. They don't do that. They have such a one-track mind on starting to dig. 
I think Dr. Werner thinks these guys are not idiots. They looked in the furnace. They saw the bones. I mean, he even says that. Didn't he meet these people and see how dumb they were? Like, I just wanted some, like, maybe this is where the writer's strike comes into play, Brett, because I think a well-written script has some reason that he's a doctor and you respect him and fear him, but it's total just silly Looney Tune. He's got a big yeah. syringe that he's like, for like two minutes straight, trying to plunge into Tom Hanks' neck from like one foot away. That's kind of how we leave him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it was, I would say the finale the, the is, was very rushed. Like, I thought it was going to be a lot longer. Well, you brought up the alternate ending. Listen, Ray, I'm really sorry. Sometimes I, I get a little carried away. So I, I, I don't know if this is like an IMDb fact or whatever, but apparently in like the first draft of the script, like um, Dr. Kolpleck or whatever his name is, succeeds in killing Tom Hanks in the ambulance, which is a weird, a weird choice. I mean, I, I'm with Josh. It doesn't seem like a very calculated move at this point, but like when I'm watching this movie, it's gone so silly. I'm just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, it might not have been that thought out, but then again, he might have panicked and then I think they were going to move again. Uh, I don't remember if it was in the alternate ending or in the original ending, but they just kind of kept moving from house to house. And this is where we haven't mentioned it, but he mentions that they killed the naps and they don't really explain why. But if you do a little extra research about what the Klopaks were doing, uh, I think the consensus seems to be that they worked on weather modification science, which is what? why you see a lot of the... The, the lightning. That's why they chose that building because it had that huge metal rod on the top. It's Southland Tales all over again. <laughs> That's kind of uh, Corey and M- Mikey mentioned earlier the weirdness, like the supernatural feel you got. That is kind of supposed to be explained like that. Oh, like when Tom Hanks is like stepping onto their property and it gets all windy. Stepping on their thing. Yeah. It's, it's, that's such a cool, like so much of a cooler angle than yeah. seeing like art at the table eating his cold meat. Like, agreed. I'd much rather the movie focus on that than it being this fleeting thing you have to dive deeper into. That was the big problem that Brittany had with it is just she was kind of waiting to see what was going on with the Clopex, what their research was, what they did. And it just, you don't really find out. Um, but yeah, if you go to like the Burbs wiki or whatever, that that's just kind of what <laughs> the Burbs wiki. There's a wiki for everything. The forums. <laughs> so what's it's... the lesson learned from all this? For the Klopex, I would say introduce yourself to the neighbors. For the, everyone else, the Patriot Act was justified. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, George Bush watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know, Josh. Do you have an idea? I mean, stay out of people's business, live your life. A boring life's better than. Be like, suspicious of your foreigner neighbors. <laughs> yeah. It's like. <laughs> I just don't like it because it's like this mirage of an ending. I, I don't know. There's nothing really tangible for me. I, I didn't know about the writer strike thing, but I think that really hurt the movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I think 
they intended to do the supernatural thing because that was a lot of fun in the first 15 minutes of the movie and then it just kind of really got all it's just all over the place i don't know it didn't feel cohesive enough it's like they didn't have one thing they could trust so they threw a bunch of stuff at the wall or something and then landed on the most boring option the weather yeah when he steps on the on the lawn it's like ooh, this is i don't know spooky like otherwise i totally forgot about that that makes absolutely no sense out of context now we gotta go to the goddamn forums for the burbs to understand what that one five second scene was yeah what did they do in 89 like So that's our movie. Um, it ends happily-ish ever. I mean, I guess I'm no legal expert, but just because you end up being right and they try to kill you, do you still not have to go to jail for all the crimes you committed? I or? don't think it's legal under any circumstance to blow up someone's house. Like, I don't think it's legal. Even if that person has killed someone, you still can't blow up their house, right? Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. Only if they live in an oil country. Oh, okay. I mean, so I mean, again, I try not to ask too many questions, I guess, at the end. But so that's it, and then we get the weird fourth wall break, which I didn't think was weird, but now that you mention it, it's just kind of weird. God, I love this street. Um, I don't know if he goes to prison or not. I guess we'll have to find out in the burbs too. Still bourbon it. What? <laughs> That's the official. Is there a better name? There's a better name than that? You don't like burbs too? Still bourbon it? Ba 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 ba. Still bourbon it. There we go. <laughs> Two. Um, all right. So let's do some final thoughts as we're getting into almost an hour and 40 minutes. I got one. Tom Hanks's character. His name is Ray. Right, Brett? Yeah. I mean, I've called him Tom Hanks the last 40 times. So <laughs> I wouldn't have asked me. That's fine. But I don't know, man. I kept thinking, maybe it's just because I like have seen this scene within the last few months. I keep thinking when I hear him say Ray or when I hear someone say it, it's right here, Ray. It's, it's looking, looking at me. Oh, my Ghostbusters fan know what I'm talking He's about. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think, I guess when I think of Ray, I think of Dan Aykroyd because he played Ray Stance and Ray Selinski in Tommy Boy, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, Is this movie better than Ghostbusters? Seriously. Let's go ahead and let's go the same order we did for the opening question. Uh, Corey. This is Corey. This movie is a no. I fucking hated this movie. I am reminded sometimes why I don't like comedies. And uh, it's good to be reminded of that because it starts to slip away from me when I watch movies I'm nostalgic for. I did not think this movie was funny, Brett. Don't take this as an attack on you. You didn't make this movie, so don't take that personally. But I didn't like it, right? So this movie has things that I should like. It has actors I like. It's just like the story and the execution. I I ask myself too many questions as it goes on, like how come people aren't reacting a certain way to a certain situation? That one actually comes up a lot in this movie. And I'm just I'm more bothered by it than entertained. That art dude fucking hated him, man. Didn't like <laughs> yeah. his character. And I, I, in a lot of ways, we're not supposed to. But I didn't find him funny either or endearing. 
you know, Tom Hanks is a great actor, but I don't like the movie. So, like, I, I don't like the story that they're telling. So that doesn't quite save it for me. So big no for me. This is actually not a movie that the first time I watched, I, it's not a movie that I would consider just being ridiculously funny. I just, I just liked it. So, um, yeah, I knew we were in trouble early on when you said you hated one of the main characters, the guy who talks the most, but, uh, who's up next? Uh, Mikey. Uh, I'll give it the lightest of yeses. Um, it's fine. It's serviceable enough. I wish it dealt more with like the supernatural stuff that we were talking about. I think the writing, the writer strike really hurt it. Didn't know that was a thing happening during this movie, but it makes a lot of sense now after, after talking about it. Uh, it's just kind of all over the place and not very coherent and like it's I don't know it's tone I guess but I think it's funny enough for for how disjointed it feels and stuff um I was laughing I guess enough to I mean I don't have to watch it again ever but it was like fun for a one-time watch so right yes cool uh Josh Yeah, that really opened my eyes too, Brett, when you talked about the writer's strike. And it's like, if the writer is out and can't play the role of like coach to the actors, then like their personalities really like have to come to the forefront to create something good. And in the case of art, Rick Duca- Rick Ducommon, is that how you say that? Tutankhamen. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Watching him in this movie is just like your least favorite slash least talented basketball player on the court just taking every shot. Just ball hogging it all the time. (laughs) I can't agree with Corey Moore just how much this guy ruined the movie for me. And I hate it because I not to steal your segment, Brett, but this guy is deceased. So I feel like we're talking poorly of the dead here. But that role just really bothered me and the lack of like writing I think exacerbated it and just before I give this a no because I should give this a hard nostalgic yes we Brett we have a really good friend CJ who has quoted this movie to me since like the fifth grade and it just goes to show like how I wasn't really blessed with good with like friends with really good movie tastes growing up like him <laughs> him and nick harrell just loved this movie for so many years it's just a no and best friend drew no drew has like a pretty decent movie taste but not not cj what quotes were he saying i don't know the only thing i can remember is like Brownies. the, the clopex oh oh they had pizza dude they had neighbors in their neighborhood that they compared to the Clobex and they like to pull neighborhood hijinks. So I guess it kind of made sense for them, but still just a pretty stupid movie. I'm yep. Sorry, Brett. That's okay. I didn't make it. It's no Ghostbusters. Happy. Um, this is a very serviceable movie. I, I think it achieves the tone that it's going for. It's a little bit all over the place, but my biggest gripe at the end of the day with it is that, there's nothing you can get from the burbs that isn't done better 
in a different movie. There's better young Hanks. There's better horror comedies. There's, you know, if you want this like actually straight, there's like Rosemary's Baby, which is one of the best horror movies of all time, which kind of has a similar plot, but this is more of a spoof of it. It's a very, very soft no, but I will say that as a family movie, this actually might be a really good spooky movie because it's not really that scary. It's a good way to show kids the horror genre, expose them to that without being too scared. There's nothing, you know, objectable about it in 2021 eyes. So I think it could be a fun family movie, but man, I have no reason to ever watch The Burbs again. So for that reason, a very soft no, Brett. And also because he gave Evil Dead 2 a no. Oh, that did factor into my decision a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, he gave Clifford four stars and called it a masterpiece, but that's all right. I would rather um, watch Clifford a thousand times yeah, I know. than watch the birds look for that chocolate. Times. Well, I look at me like a human boy. <laughs> right. I love um, spite ratings on this podcast. It's one of my favorite things. The best kind. <laughs> then you should change your rating on Letterboxd. A three-star movie should not get a the no thing on of a it podcast. Is, the thing of it is, is like... For what it is, it's good. But what I'm saying is, like, the opportunity cost of spending a hundred minutes in the Burbs. I can pick ten movies that do all the things the Burbs do that I'd rather watch, which do is it. the problem. Um, Cabin Adam's in the Woods, family, bro. Rosemary's Baby, both Adams families, um, both Adams families, both <laughs> Adams yeah. families. The first one, A League no, of the Their Own, even better. Okay, now we're, just pick, now we're just picking Tom Hanks movies. Okay. <laughs> okay, but I'm talking about Young Hanks, so okay, I got halfway there, but we should move on. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to give this a uh, yes. I like this movie. I enjoy it. Uh, the physical comedy makes me laugh. I didn't hate uh, I didn't hate Rick Ducommon like everyone else did. I mean, yeah, he was a little annoying, but I actually thought the scene where he's sitting there eating all the food is really funny, and then he goes and eats more food. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Bruce Stern cracks me up in this movie. Young Tom Hanks is good to me. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think Henry Gibson's really funny. I, I wish he was in the movie a little more. Uh, I thought Brother uh, Ruben was funny. Uh, it's just, yeah, solid, solid yes for me. I enjoy it, so that's what I got. All right, so this trivia probably won't last very long because I don't foresee you guys being very good at it, and I didn't mean that in the nicest Whoa. way possible. No, I just... It, it's just one of those things where I feel like it's going to be, this is actually kind of hard. So uh, the order I have for the longest on the schneid is Corey what? with Hedwig. Oh, opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Sorry. It's longest. Josh. Okay. No, Corey, host, this is most of the least recent host, the list that I sent over. Because um, Corey traded a pick. Yeah, I won trivia recently. Uh, okay. So then it's going to go, Josh is the oldest on the schneid, right? With Inglorious Bastards. Correct. Yep. Mikey with Thief, uh, Pappy with the Ring, but then okay. So, so order is going to be the first with the least advantage. So it's going to be Corey, Pappy, Mikey, Josh. Um, okay. okay. So I have a list of I don't know maybe thirty five of considered the best or greatest TV neighbors of all time. So for the advantage, which is going to go to Josh, everyone gets to, if you can't name a character, you get to name a show that you think a character is on. Like you can't quite think of the name. That's like your one freebie you get. You miss one, you're out. 
And Josh, for his advantage, he gets that one freebie, and he also gets a pass. Oh! So it's very, very stacked what? in his favor. So one miss. All right, well, let's do... Yeah, one miss, you're out. It's, it's an hour and 48 minutes. We're just one miss, you're out. I was always going to do that, so... I like it. Just to save time, I don't know if anyone will guess it. The The rules in this are kind of weird about what's a name and what's not. I will tell you that Joey and Chandler are not on this list, so don't guess them. So... Good clarification. Corey, you are up. So is this list called, like best TV neighbors, meaning like characters that people like or like Cla- just classic, not, not, not necessarily, but just, just classic TV character neighbors. Like okay. some of them are annoying. Some of them are great. Right. So they might not be like the people in the show might not like them, but they're right. still like, but they're the like best in, to the audience. They're like indelible, you know? Yeah. So you'd be on the list, but aside yeah. from you, cause you're real, uh, I'm going first, right? Yep. Urkel. You can use your freebie, or you can try to guess. But you know, once if you miss one, you're out. He already yeah. guessed. Urkel. <laughs> that is correct. So, uh, Pappy. Kramer. Kramer is correct. Wow. That's gonna be Mikey's guess. Mikey, you're that's up. a good one. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking of Kramer, but that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna say Ned Flanders. That is correct. Nice. It's doing much better than I thought. Can can one show have multiple answers? Yes. Newman. Yes. Incorrect. What? Pass. Fair. He's a building neighbor, not a direct neighbor. Let him use the pass. All right, that's, that's fine. Back to me. Yeah. Yo. Um. Three's Company neighbor guy. Um, I can say the show, right? Yeah, it's your freebie. If that's what you want. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Three's Company. Larry Dallas. Nah, uh, Larry. And there's no more. I didn't. I didn't. I did not include landlords in case somebody else wanted to name a Three's Company. And so no, Mr. Roper. Okay. Right. And I was gonna be. I was gonna be a little. Give you some leeway because again, this list is really weird. So, uh, Pappy. So I get I get a freebie to name the show, right? If you want, I mean, you can. If you the think honeymooners. You, that is correct. The Nortons. Mm. Josh, he, Josh still has his freebie. I think it's he, my turn. Oh, Mikey's up. Yeah. Uh, Dale Gribble from King of the Hill. He is not on here. Damn. Oh, really. I didn't make the list. I mean, I made the list, but I didn't make the list. How many are on the list? 30. Okay, yikes. Um, Sorry, Mikey. So, wow. I only know animated characters. I <laughs> My mind is blank for everything else. I'm, I have two answers, but I got to go with a more mainstream one, I think. Um, Barney from Flintstones? Yep. Uh, let's see if they have this as we yeah, they, they I just have the rubble, so um, Barney and Betty, Betty, Barney, you're Betty. fine. I have the rubbles, you're fine. Okay, okay. and you still I have thought you were daring me to name no, 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 no. All right, so Corey, he's daring you, Billy. You do not have any freebies left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
got some time. This is hard. It's me, right? Yeah. Paul Pfeiffer. What show? Wonder Years. <sighs> Wrong. Ooh. Been Sorry. watching a lot of Wonder Years. Yeah. Getting ready for that remake? It's already out. I haven't watched it yet. Pat? Is it me? Yeah, have you, the, you, yeah, you don't have any freebies left. The Mertzes from I Love get, Lucy? I knew you were going to nice. get the Mertz. Yep. The who? Fred and Ethel. Josh, you... Has anyone said any Tim Allen-related answers? No. Because no. I think Home Improvement had the guy who could only see his face. Uh, or he couldn't see his face. Wilson. Yeah. Nice. On the two lists I saw, Wilson was number one on the one list and number Wilson. two on the other list. So, yes. Dr. Wilson Wilson from Home Improvement. Yes. I've seen that show, so much of that show. Oh, yeah. Wilson Wilson? That's his name on the show? Yep. Junior. It, his That's arc dumb. actually deteriorates as it progresses, but <laughs> in hindsight, yeah. it's pretty funny. He's dead. Very sad. Um... Corey's out. Pap, you are in, and you, I believe you have used your freebie, so you got to get just, one. It's just me and Josh, right? Yep. Rhoda Morgenstern from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Nailed it. Nice. Nice. Josh, you still have one freebie, I believe. Yeah. Use it. Use it. You got nothing, Josh. Use it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a... It's just a really popular show that had neighbors in it. Oh, uh, could I? Can you say the actor actress's name? Maybe have... I'll. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll use no, my freebie. No, because that counts as a show thing. What? Kay- Kaylee Kuwako's character from Big Bang Theory. You don't know her name? I can, no. I've like I no. Penny. Yes. Yes. Nice. Very very nice. Wow. I did not. I did not know how I was going to rule on that, but you made it easy for me. Happy. So is that my freebie or not? No, no, you got it. Yeah. Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. No, because they they live they all live in the same house. Fuck. Yes, they do. Sorry. <laughs> he moves down later. Dang. Damn. Kirsten, Kirsten, Asian Pap. No, I've learned my lesson. Does Josh got to prove it, or does he prove it with his freebie? Prove it, with, prove it, Josh. Um, Frasier, the show. Does that have a good neighbor? No. State Farm, like a good neighbor. <laughs> Frasier has his own floor. Do you Count think he, he's he's living with cheers on the same floor as him? Count Josh, it for State stop. Farm. Cheers. Josh, stop. Just stop. Smash. You mash. <laughs> Josh, you're getting so mash. far. They live in freaking tents. Yeah, the neighbors, yeah. the yeah, Vietnamese, <laughs> Korean, Korean. Or, yeah. All right, well, that, Josh, you win. All right. I mean, I, that was yes. getting very ugly. You trying to prove that. So you win. Congratulations. I'm glad I took Josh to the wire. There. <laughs> well, he had a lot of advantages there. That. We all let him have, so that was. Very I was nice gonna say you. Quagmire on my next go. Yes, round. I have uh, three. You could have named three different Family Guy characters. Brett, thank you for the, the treatment, yeah. though, man. Wait, I haven't seen that since. Three uh, of the thirty are Family Guy characters. Whoa. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, uh, who else is like the low hanging fruit? Who should we have said? Uh, Jefferson's on Alan the Family. Uh, sure. Bewitched. Uh, let's see, Mr. Feeney. Oh, oh my God! God. Oh, I did not get Mr. Feeney. <laughs> right. I'm not Mr. a '90s kid anymore. Mr. Wilson, uh, the Barones, and everybody loves Raymond. Uh, oh. Skippy, let's see. Uh, Mr. Heckles, he was in one season. How about Kimmy Gibbler, guys? Full House. Full House. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Bentley, he was famous in Jefferson's. I didn't watch it. You got Lenny and Squiggy for Laverne Shirt. Eddie Haskell. I didn't watch Married with Children, but Marcy Darcy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you said Rhoda Morgenstern, but there was also Phyllis. Happy. She was a landlord, though. So oh, was she? Okay. Count. Yeah. Uh, uh, Squidward, Tentacles. Brett had to have been up there, right? Yeah, like, somebody guessed him. Somebody guessed him. No, I guessed him, but he was yeah. he like number one? Top five in both lists, I'd say. Rose from Two and a Half Men. And then you made me sad when you said, uh, you said, Paul, the answer was Winnie Cooper for Wonder Years. Yeah, she moved in like season two. So like. <laughs> Those are all the good not... ones. I mean, there's a couple other ones. But Josh, what? Why did you d- not include friends? I don't understand why you specifically. I, I was trying them. to stick to the rule where the main characters don't count, but like Kramer really <laughs> threw a wrench in that, even though he wasn't a main character like the first two seasons, like the first like seven episodes. But I was just kind of trying not to, because you spend time in both. You don't. You're rarely ever in Kramer's apartment. So, it, I so don't did know. friends have any right answers? Because they have a bunch of Mr. other neighbors. He- Mr. Heckles. He's your oh, downstairs dude. neighbor. He looks like Bruce Hearn. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> All right. So, yep. We're just might get in under two hours. So why, why don't we kick it to Spoiler Man and give Josh some time. Make sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. Josh, you ready? I am ready. All right. We are back, and it's time to kick it to Josh to find out if we're going to be back to normal or staying spooky. It's tough because I think this rides the line, but I think it might just be spooky enough. It's a little bit of a murder mystery. So does that count, you think, Pat? How spooky? Can you edit it before Halloween? It's <laughs> <laughs> a real question. So we'll see if this is spooky or not. <laughs> but, um, I've been watching some classic movies lately, trying to catch up on some stuff. And I watched Double Indemnity. As you, I'm sure a bunch of you guys have Good seen that movie. movie. I haven't, but I want to see it really bad. But it made me really like Edward Robinson. He's the guy who, like, not to spoil it, but he lights a match famously in that movie but i went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and i really like this movie called the stranger from 1946 i want you guys to watch it my last movie that i picked was inglorious bastards about people pretending to be germans in the war and this is germans pretending to be americans uh kind of right after the war so i like how that kind of fits too thematically so this, this is the oldest. This is the oldest movie in spoilers yeah. history. It's Orson hard to Wells. believe. Orson Welles, Josh. Yeah, it's Orson Welles movie. It. The Stranger, nineteen forty-six. Wow. We're going Brady's way back. Not going to be happy. Let, have her just make her watch it. Maybe she'll like it. Cool. I, it it might feel a little more modern than you think. I like it. I'm sure I will. 
All right, well, that was uh, the Burbs, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us. And Cap, you got any announcements before we end it? Um, so it may or may not be the end of spooky spoilers, <laughs> but fifth year in a row, boys. That's a long time to do any one thing. So thank you for listening. If you've been listening for five years, four years, three years, two years, or if this is your first episode of Spooky Spoilers, just thank you. We appreciate the listen. Like Stevie says, any listen is a good listen. All right. For sure. Thanks, everybody. That was Spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons. Brother Brian. The Incubus, the Succubus. Nick. Mutilations. Matt Troll. Human sacrifice to Beelzebub, is that it? David. That's one of the theories, yeah. We're all peaceful, relaxed, so cool. The Meg. Oh, oh, I can't believe you're still bringing that up. Nurse Stacy. So, this is your relaxing when you get home, huh? Druid King. Listen to your wife. Who listens to their wife? Brother Ellis. It's over, pal. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. It's over, pal. <laughs> that was spooky spoilers.